0: On today's episode of Locked On Pistons Podcast, I'm joined by former lead trainer at Overtime Elite, Luke Cooper to talk about Overtime Elite and obviously the Pistons fifth overall pick, Asar Thompson. Stay tuned in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons Podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are freely available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. We did just pass by 6,000 subscribers with YouTube. We're on our way to 10,000 by the end of this upcoming season, so if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel, or you can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. In today's episode, we are joined by former lead trainer, Of Overtime Elite, Luke Cooper. He took some time out of his day to join the podcast. Luke, I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate it. How are you doing today? Absolutely, man. I'm excited. So we're going to talk about, obviously, Asar Thompson a little bit later on. But the first thing I wanted to talk about with Luke was before the draft started, you guys will remember, my everyday listeners, I was a big fan of Amen Thompson and Asar Thompson. And once the Pistons fell to five, I figured that Amen wasn't going to fall to five for the Pistons. I was big on Asar Thompson. I really wanted the Pistons to go after and and, and draft him, which they ended up doing. But throughout the process leading up to the draft, and even still after the draft, there was a lot of chatter within the community, not just the Pistons community, but community, just the NBA community about what is Overtime Elite? What's the competition they're going against? Is it even a real league? Like There was all kinds of stuff being said about Overtime Elite that was kind of trying to diminish the twins themselves and the overall product that is overtime elite. So Luke, the first question I want to ask you and just overall, can you give us like a brief explanation or brief summary of what is overtime elite for someone who maybe doesn't know what OTE is?
1: Yeah, I think um so I think it's important to set the stage. It's like especially when the twins came in. When the twins came in they were the initial group that was joining overtime elite and the concept, this was before like NIL kind of took off. Right. So it was essentially built for a path for players to go from high school to professional basketball without having to go to college and get compensated the way they should have been all along. Um, so that was the original path, right? It was for we assigned 24 players originally to Give up college eligibility and take a chance on overtime elite take a chance on themselves um, and try to try to become a pro since then, with the nil it's kind of shifted. Right where I, I think the twins were kind of caught in between that a little bit where it's like now they're signing mostly high school players who are keeping their eligibility um, and then going on to their college and then pursuing whatever dream that they have professionally but. The core of overtime elite was always about development right so people. It was never about the games. The kids never went there because of the games. The kids went there so they could get trained by the best trainers in the world, the best staff in the world, and ultimately have a chance to reach their their goal, which for a lot of these kids is the NBA. Um, and so I think people just kind of looked at it through the light of, like, college basketball, right, which if you're just comparing college basketball to overtime elite, you're, of course, going to see differences when you just watch the games. Um, but it was never built to be college basketball. It was built to be a training ground for players to kind of lock themselves in a the lab and, and get better.
0: So I want to ask something else here too. When we and you first connected on on Twitter, um, you mentioned to me that you guys had or OTE had five guys in summer league this season, and they have two three guys getting drafted next year. Um, what do you have? To, what do you believe about the overall talent that's in OTE? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, Don Barlow, who no one knew who he was until last year, right? Um, obviously, the Twins. The year before that, John Montero, who I'm sure some of your fans are familiar with his name. Um, I actually feel like John Montero got a bad rep because he had to go against the Twins every day, and this was before people knew who the Twins were <laughs> defensively. Um, and then, yeah, we have J. John Gortman, Um jalen martin and then we have three guys that'll they'll be in next year's draft that went on to either the g league ignite or australia but it's like we'll have eight players in the nba within the first three years right so like you can compare that to any program in the country you know let alone the rest of these guys who are going to go to five uh, five-star recruits that are going to go on to blue blood schools it's i don't know like the competition thing like of course like there were some games that you're watching you're like dude this is uh sloppy this isn't great basketball like i felt like that sitting on the sidelines um but if you really just stepped into the building and saw the talent that was there i just felt like it, like people were just kind of lazy with their approach with how they viewed it um but that's you know that's twitter right like <laughs> very easy to sit and fire off a tweet and then just right. go back to your day um but the talent we have in that building and adding that building over the last three years is like I would put that up against any program in the country.
0: So I'd love to hear that because when I was watching, so I'm not a big draft guy. I, I cover the Pistons every day, but when the offseason comes around, obviously the Pistons have not been good. They've been at the top of the draft. So then the off season, you have to get into some draft stuff. You have to start looking at prospects. And this past season was really like the first time I really dove deep into it. I tried to do a little bit of it last year, but this year I really got into it and watching the twins play. I, I really came away impressed with the twins and, I was higher on Amen than Asar, but I absolutely love Asar as well. I really was impressed with the Twins, and it really confused me why people said these things, like you mentioned. I feel like it was a lot of lazy stuff being said about them. But they made it seem like it was it was not a lot of talent at the OT, and they were over there just dominating, scoring like 30 points a game, shooting 25 times a game because they were just, in, just way better talents, and that's not even how they played. They played the right way. They made the right reads. They played hard. Like, the way in which they played wasn't of someone that was playing at like playing against like fifth graders. I'm going to go and score every single time because I can, that's not even the way in which they played. Um, so one of the things I, I came away with after watching the twins is that if they would have just, if they would have went to college, none of this stuff would be said about them. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like the the discourse around prospects in the year 2023 with all these different options now that if you don't go to college where player where fans are able to watch you twice a week at March Madness, if you're not in that and you're in the G League, you're overseas, you're in the OTE, whatever, you immediately get docked like 10 attribute points, no, like immediately <clears throat> from everybody because you, they don't get to watch them. And then they just like diminish the talent, they diminish the pro like I, I feel like that's just what happens, no matter if it's OTE or G League Ignite or overseas, it's just what do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I always get confused because it's like, I mean, we all sit here and watch college basketball, right? Like, are, maybe I'm just blind, but, like, not a great product.
0: Yeah, I, I <laughs> right? actually don't – I don't watch a lot of college basketball because I think it's not a great product. Like, I can't get into it. I, I, Yeah, so, like, my thing I always say
1: is, like, if college basketball translated the way people pretend it translates, then the best college players would be the best NBA players, right? And it's like that's never – Very rarely is that the case. Right. Like you have guys that are winning player of the year that go undrafted. Right. And so that's not a knock on college basketball as a whole. It's just like the style of play is much different. It's much different. Right. Like college basketball is run a set for 19 seconds and then it's a block charge (laughs) call. Right? Where in reality OTE was probably more similar to like a G League game. Right. It's up and down. Like we develop like we had NBA rules right, with three seconds, like, we developed NBA rules so the players would, like, translate to um, potentially their next step, so it's, like, I like college basketball. I think it's, you know, it's great, um, but everything is, I mean, what was it, four out of the top five picks this year didn't go to college basketball, so exactly. right, the other one, Brandon Miller, went for one year and played, you know, 19 games or whatever, so it's, like, it's just lazy. People, um, people hate change though, right? Like, People hate, people love what they love. Um, And also, like, I remember having a conversation with a scout who was like, man, the Twins, like, I just, I don't know how to scout them. I don't know how to scout this league. And my brother, that's your job. (laughs) Right? Like, it's almost like they just hate that, like, their job becomes harder because now there's more avenues to get to the pro path. Right. Um, And people are less less scared to do it, right? Like, LaMelo went overseas and that was a big deal. And people were like, ah, oh, is it going to translate? Is it not? Um, and clearly, it, it kind of did, right? So I think it's it's here to stay. Um, but I actually do think it's going to end up helping like the game of college basketball because I think you're going to end up having guys stay for three or four years. Um, fans are going to get to care about players longer than than they have right now. It's like one year in transfer and transfer and transfer. Um, so I think it'll all even out. But I think like as far as development and the NBA route, like. There's so many routes you can take, and I don't think one is better than the other. I think it's just whatever is best for that player.
0: Right, and and another thing you mentioned early on is, and it's something I've I've said a lot about on the podcast before the draft, um, when talking about Amen and Asar, is that like some of the most important, or actually not some of the most important part of OTE, from what I've read and from what I understand, is what you mentioned the development. They have the best training in the world. They have NBA caliber training going on. They're getting that kind of work in year round. And like you said, they had developed they had NBA rules. They shot from the NBA three-point line. So they had they were already getting adjusted to um NBA distance, NBA training. Um, so I think all that stuff it, it just I, I never I never understood the whole lack of competition thing. Um, especially when specifically with Amen, I know we're gonna talk about layer because he's the Detroit Piston. But even with Amen, like before the season, when they played over overseas yeah. talent, and Amen just dominated over there too. So it's just like I feel like people, like you said, they were just being lazy, and and you know people are are unwilling to really accept um, new new things that require a different level of thinking or a different level of understanding, like you were mentioning as well. Um, you want to say you, I, I was going to move on to the next segment. But is there anything else you want to say on that? No, I
1: think what, who was it, uh, like Troy Weaver mentioned the Halle Berry and oh, my, that Florida. was elite level. And quote. I think it's like <laughs> it's true. It's like, like I always tell people with the twins, like dude, if you watch enough basketball, you know these guys are special, right? I don't care if they're playing in the playground. I don't care if they're playing in college basketball. Like these guys are special, you know. And if it doesn't take. It doesn't take a lot to see that, you know? Um, and I think that's true for for the whole conversation. It's like certain guys, it's tougher to to judge, right? Like, God, how does this small guard translate? But guys like that that are kind of free athletically and, and do things that you just don't see, you just got to kind of trust your eyes at the end of the day.
0: Right, I completely agree. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Asar Thompson now, working with Asar Thompson We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on the Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And for the Lions fans out there, I'm looking at FanDuel right now. They have the Lions as slight favorites. To make the playoffs, they have the Lions at slight favorites, minus 130, to win 10-plus games. I'm not used to this type of hype around the Detroit Lions. I- I'm sure you guys aren't either, but if you want to go over to FanDuel and take advantage of that, go ahead over there and look at some of those um, over-under, some of the spreads with the Detroit Lions. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning the bonus bets with America's number one sports book. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review. On whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, that's another great way to support the podcast. All right, so like I mentioned, Luke, before the draft actually happened, um, obviously I I didn't want the Pistons to fall to five. They had the best odds, and then they fell as far as they possibly could. That that sucked for us over here. But (laughs) they fell to five. Um, and we started looking at prospects. I figured I men, I had Amen as the as the third best prospect in the draft. I had Victor, Scoot, Wemby. Um, so I didn't think Amen would be there, though I I'm Amen was the most fun I had watching any prospect this offseason. Next was Asar, his brother, and the Pistons were able to get him at five. <coughs> and some of the things that I saw from Asar in OTE that I really loved watching him. I'm interested to hear about you working with him and what you saw from him, but what I saw from Asar watching OTE was, again, a top-tier athlete. Like, if, if Amen is, like, a, a first percentile athlete, Asar is, like, what, a third percentile, fourth. I think Amen's a better athlete, but Asar is, like, right behind him, I believe, at, like, third, fourth percent. Like, either way, freak athlete with a long wingspan, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, and another, another thing that was just why I felt so highly about them is kind of what I mentioned in the first segment was is that they weren't over there shooting 30 times a game. It wasn't out there. You know, I'm the best player on the court. I'm just gonna shoot every single time. They played the right way. Asar and Amen made the right reads. Asar, especially, I feel like more so than we saw it happen in the summer league too. Um, it was really crazy in the summer league, but his transitional passing, his his ability to anticipate defenses, um, and play off ball and 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 you <laughs> know, really be able to impact the game without the ball in his hands because he has a high level of feel and IQ when it comes to the game at just 21 or uh, 20 years old. Um, that's why I really love the story. Some guys are freak athletes. They don't have all the other stuff. Some guys have that stuff and aren't freak athletes. When you have a guy who's a freak athlete and also plays the right way, understands the game, can impact the game in multiple ways. And I have even mentioned this defense, um, that's why I was such a fan of Asar. There's some things he has to work on, obviously. He's not perfect, and he's not a finished product by no means. But I just feel like his combination of raw skills is, is, like you mentioned in the first segment, it's just special. You don't see it very often when guys are that athletic while also having these traits. So what was it like working with Asar, and did you get that same kind of impression <clears throat> working with him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tell everyone I took the job because of the Twins. Yeah. Um, so it was when OT was first started, they had five guys on So it was the twins, that set of twins, the BYU twins um, out of Florida and John Montero. And they had like a little mini camp in Miami. And I was still like trying to get a job from Coach Ollie. So Coach Ollie was like, you know, come down and like, we'll see if, you know, we like each other basically and see if you're good and you can get a feel for the guys and we go from there. And it was like. I went up to him after like the first, the first workout. And I was like, dude, I want the job. He's was like, you know, why? And I was like, these guys can be lottery picks. And at the time they were like 60th and 70th in the, in their class. Um, but what was special to me. And one of the things you mentioned was their defense. And I'd never seen particularly a SAR on ball defense. I would never seen someone like beat players to spots the way he did. Right. Almost like he knew what move they were going to make before they made it. Um, And he was like, you want the job because of their defense? And I was like, yeah, actually, like I've never seen – like their floor is so high because of their ability to impact the game on both ends of the floor. And I think that that's something that like people didn't fully understand in OTE because that's where it does become kind of hard to judge, right? Like who are they getting stops on? And you saw it a little bit in Summer League a couple times where it's like, oh, shit, like <laughs> – Asar on defense is, you know, a little bit insane. Um, But, yeah, their overall feel, like, and I also think, like, Asar is more of a combo. He's more of an off guard. But he does have, like, the playmaking ability that will come out here and there, Um, more so here and there, probably more than that. It's, like, he's just comfortable doing both things. And I think that's something that I actually felt like Detroit was the best fit for him to kind of, like, grow into – that position of being able to have the ball in his hands more. He's not going to be expected to run the offense, you know, from game one um, with their backcourt, but he will have the ability to do so. So I think the fit with Detroit is is kind of perfect. Um, and then, like you said, all the – like, those guys are special. Asar is special because of his intangibles. Like, athleticism, yes. Like, of course, like you said, top, you know, 2 3% athlete. But it's the the other things and the way he's wired, the way he thinks, the way he cares about basketball. um, That's going to – I always tell people, like, he's whatever his ceiling is, he's going to hit. I don't know what it is, right? Like, that's up to, you know, the guy upstairs, not necessarily me. Um, But, like, whatever his ceiling is, he's going to hit because of all the intangibles around him um, and the way he approaches the game of basketball as a whole.
0: So I want to ask you about Asar's work ethic because all I've heard – Leading up to the draft, the things I've read is just he's a crazy. He he's crazy in the gym. He his work ethic is off the charts. Um, and then there was this. Um, I don't know if you saw it. There was I think it was a TikTok or something of uh, like a uh, compilation of um, Asar and Amen since they were kids, whatever, working on the on the beach, whatever, and showed them like growing up, working out and stuff, and it, like blew up or whatever. Um, so it showed that like they've been hard workers since like they were. I think I meant and Asar said, like in an interview, they've been working like seven years old or something. Like they were, mm-hmm. they've been doing it since they were kids. Um, what, what do you have to say about Asar Thompson's work ethic? Because all I've heard are great things about it. Is that something that you can echo?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've never. Um, I'll put it this way: I haven't been around a player that's worked harder, right? Um, between him and his brother, it's and it's not a chore. It's not a you know let me post this on Instagram so people know I'm working. Um, if anything, I had to try to get them to post on Instagram. They just love basketball. You know, the easiest way for me to sum it up is I was actually texting with them um, two days ago, three days ago. I was like, you know, how are workouts going? How are you shooting? He's like, man, workouts have been great. Um, shot feels great. Everything's going, you know, really, really good. He's like, I just – only bad thing or only negative thing is, like, I had to work out outside the last three days. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, well, I'm in Florida, and my high school gym's closed, so I didn't have a gym, so I'd just been going to the park and working out a couple times a day. And it's like, bro, it's the middle of the summer in Florida. You're a top five pick. Like, you can get, you can get a gym, brother, you know? But, like, that's, like, their mindset. It's like, they don't care. Like, oh, my high school wasn't open. Like, I'm just going to go to the park and work out, right? And it's 110 degrees in Florida right now. You know, so it's like all the stories are true and the stories are not true where they're like trying to convince you that they're working hard. It's just like they don't know any better. <laughs> right. They just this is what they want. They want it to the highest degree um, to a point where, like, in pre-draft, I had to make them like we had to like lock the gym from them. And I gave them homework every week and I was like, dude on Saturday or Sunday, you guys have to do something that's not basketball related. Like that's your homework. And I know they would come back and lie to be like, no, we went to a movie. It's like they didn't go to the movie. They were like trying to get in the gym. Um, but, yeah, all those things are true. It's like they are they are just obsessed at every aspect of the game, every aspect of, of basketball, whether it's lifting, nutrition, on court. Um, if you tell them something, they're going to obsess over it so they can figure it out.
0: I think a funny, um, a funny story with with them. I, I, we all saw. I don't know if you saw it, but everyone in the Pistons community saw it. They were him and his brother. They were asked like, um, who was this pick in the 2012 draft? Who went here in in 2014? Whatever, and they were asking other prospects, and they were getting them wrong. And then Asar and Amen, they were being asked them, and they were like. I, like off the like hard questions too. I think one of them was like who drafted 13th in 2012? I think it was like Kawhi or Paul George or something. They were just like going off the dome like that. And it's a fun little like quiz or whatever, but it kind of like speaks to what you're saying that they just love basketball, man. They just like these kids like they just basketball is everything to them. Like they actually have a genuine love and joy for it. Where like one of the things you mentioned I really loved hearing is that like yeah, you can get in the gym, but is it like a chore? Like, oh, yeah, I got to get in the gym today. Like, later on, I got to go. I got to get this work, and then we can go do something. Like, they look at it as, like, this is what they want. Like, this is fun. Like, this is what they want. This is their hobby. This is, like, what they want to do. Um, And it speaks, again, to just, like, Asar's crazy work ethic. And that's why, like, I agree with you that if they're – wherever his ceiling is, uh, he's someone that you bet on hitting that ceiling because of that kind of uh, work ethic with him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just rare, right? Like they would play a game at seven o'clock and then you'd go down downstairs at OTE, everyone's eating dinner and like, they're in the, in the corner huddled up like this. Like, what are they doing? By the way, had, at the time they had like iPhone fours, like a tiny screens. Yeah. I saw, yeah, um, he said something about that. Yeah. I don't always give them shit for that wired headphones. But now they got the Bose deal. So they're, uh, they're living. <laughs> um, And it's like they're already watching the game. Like that they just played eight minutes ago. And it's like that is just who they are. Like at the core, they just love basketball. And I hate lumping them together. Um, In that sense, I know this is a little bit more about Asar. But in that sense, like they're just – they're the same. It's like they don't – they don't care about anything else. They don't care about all the other stuff. They just like – like I think the draft process was draining for them. Cause it was like, and I think Victor said the same thing. He's like, this is great, but like, I kind of just want to play basketball now, <laughs> you know? Um, and so they're just, they're just special. They're special kids. Um, they were raised, you know, in, in a great family with great mentors. And it's like, they're just fun to be around. And for me, one of the proudest things was people kind of got to see their personalities you know, leading up to the draft and after the draft, um, how they interacted with each other. Like you said, that video of, of them just rattling off draft picks where like, to be honest, I would have got like four of them, <laughs> you know, um, and just to see their growth from not only how they play, but their growth like individually in their mindset and their ability to speak and be on camera. Um, I just think they're really fun kids and they're, they're kids that, and they're players at organizations are just going to love being in the locker room, which I think um, is a little bit priceless these days.
0: De- definitely. And that's something that Troy Weaver is very huge on. So it makes sense why he was, he loved Asar as much as he did. Um, coming back though, we'll talk about expectations for Asar Thompson in his rookie season. Stay tuned for that. But first you guys got to hear from, from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Um, On the last episode, we had James Edwards III, Detroit Pistons beat writer for the athletic on the podcast. Um, I saw some people were just coming coming around and seeing that we had Cannon Cunningham, K, uh, K Cunningham's brother on. Two weeks ago, he came, hit the house up. Record in person with us. That episode seems to still be blowing up. So if you haven't checked that one out, go check it out. Especially after Cade's crazy apparent performance against the USA team. Um, so go check that out. Um, so Luke, I- I'll let you take it from take this one from here. What are your expectations? As someone obviously who trained and worked with the SAR, what are your expectations for him right out the gate in the NBA?
1: Um <clears throat> You know, I think you saw it a little bit in summer. Like, two things I would say is, one, his ability, like, he learns very quickly, right? So I don't think he played very well the first couple games. Um, he certainly didn't think that. He was, you know, calling me like, bro, like, what do you think? And I'm like, dude, you're right. I like, just settle in a little bit. Um, but his, pr- his ability to process, like, see something, and then next time he sees it, make the right decision and make the right play, I think is very, very high. And I say that to say, like, I don't know how he's going to start. I'm sure there's – with any rookie, they're going to have, you know, ebbs and flows. Um, but I think depending on, you know, where Detroit seasons goes, like, I've said this for two years, like, he's a guy that can play in the playoffs. Right? So my expectations for him is, like, if Detroit makes that leap and gets to the play-in game, whatever the case may be, um, that he's very much a part of that rotation – And I would say that also because it's – he's just a smart player, man. Like, he does so much more than what the box score says, you know, on a play-by-play basis. He's extremely unselfish. Um, He just – he's a guy that I think players are going to want to play with. And so I think overall it's like, you know, if they make the playoffs, he's going to be a part of the rotation. But I think he's a guy that, like, is going to step up to the challenge, probably number one, of guarding the best player. When he goes into the game, I think the expectation is you got this guy. (laughs) Stop him from scoring. Um, And I think we will start there like any rookie and then kind of build out from there. Um, But I think it's going to be a good year. And like I said, I think it's a great fit. He doesn't have to go in there and be superhero day one. You know, Detroit has a ton of talented pieces, and I think he's going to mesh extremely well with them.
0: So – I kind of want to mention something about how he played in summer league that you brought up, how he wasn't, you know, he was kind of disappointed with how he was starting off through the first few games. He wasn't scoring a ton, but like when I was watching him, like what I expected to see from him, like what I was high on him about, I, I thought he was doing it in the summer league. I don't think he got a high usage. Uh, he didn't have the ball in his hands a ton. Um, that was something that I wasn't happy about on the podcast that he wasn't <laughs> being given a lot on ball reps. Um, but when he did get some reps, especially in transition, he was always finding the open guy, directing traffic. Um, there was one play I broke down. Um, it's going to be hard to explain it on the podcast, but he kind of got off a uh, defensive rebound, was taking it um, full court. Um, he had a, two guy, two of his own teammates to the left, and he realized he only had one team or one defender back. And he could have passed it up to the guy right next to him and try to get it going. Um, but he kind of waited and try, tried to bring the defender to the guy on the wing and once he got him with his eyes through a backdoor pass to a guy running down the sideline like it's nothing big it's nothing crazy but it's just like that kind of anticipation um and and, and level of feel with the ball in your hands um, when it comes to his playmaking like i saw that happening through the first few games even if he wasn't scoring a ton so and then the defense was like it, it was good nonetheless so like so i was ho- i was okay with how he was playing the first few games but then he eventually ended up turning it on more and more he started to get the ball a little bit more started to shoot the ball a little bit more, um, get to the rack a little bit more. So towards the end of the summer league last few games and also was just a monster in the offensive glass to do was going crazy. Um, But my expectations for Asar this year, I don't think he's going to start out the gate um, because they have Boyan Bogdanovich and it seems like they want to start Isaiah Stewart at the forward position. Um, I think he's definitely going to be a mainstay in the rotation. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes and I expect him at some point to take over the starting job because I think his raw skills and his just what he brings to the table are things that Detroit lacks. And while he may have some things he has to work on, some things that he you know maybe aren't the greatest at right now, what he does have, just as raw skills, are things the Pistons desperately need. And he brings that. And just by having that could make an impact on the game. Um, I always say that rookies, you rarely ever see rookies actually are good NBA players. Like rookies can be good rookies, good for their age, but as far as, like, actual comparing to NBA players, you don't very often see, like, rookies actually impact at that kind of level. It just doesn't – there. it doesn't usually happen. Um, but I think that Asar could be – just for the Pistons, like you mentioned, I think he's a good fit with what they need. So he could provide a level of impact that maybe you wouldn't normally see on a rookie because of his defense and just his athleticism, his ability to push the pace and transition. Um, so – I don't have like a numbers or a box score prediction for him this season, but I, I expect him to be um, plenty helpful for the Pistons. I expect him to eventually become the starter um, at some point for the Pistons. Um, hopefully they, I think they probably end up moving on from Boyan to free up that starting spot for him. Although I'd start for me, I'd start Cade, Ivy, uh, Boyan Asar, and Durin. That's, that's the lineup I would go with um, and just interchange either Boyan or Asar at three or four, whichever one you want. That's what I would go with. Um, But either way, I think Asar's going to have a good rookie year. I think he's going to be maybe a little bit more impactful for the Pistons than maybe some people expect. But that's my expectation for him this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think think overall this draft class is really good. You know, and I think there was some some rhetoric behind, like, even like, oh, it's a three-person draft, and then it drops off. Right? And it's like, obviously, Victor is – somewhat in his own class and is you know um and scoots a little bit up there too with hype which i always told the twins i was like guys i actually think you're in the best scenario that you can be in because all eyes are on victor and all eyes are on scoot and it's going to allow you guys to ease your way into the nba season in a way that's a little bit different from traditional top five picks right where all eyes are on all of them it's like you have this alien at number one and obviously scooted at number two where, um, you know, I just think it's going to allow – I want to say fly under the radar, but just kind of like just find their find where they fit in, right? Especially for, for Houston too with the men. It's like both these teams have good pieces, right? Which I also thought was like – you know, I was sitting there at the lottery, um, the ping pong – well, they don't even do ping pong balls anymore, which I think they should, by the way. But um, – you're looking at the talent on these teams that are in the top five. It's like, dude, these teams like have young talent. Like the league is in a, in a crazy place right now where even like the quote unquote bad teams have a lot of young pieces, you know, Um, where a guy like Asar, to your point, it's like he might not start at the beginning. He might start at the end. I know he doesn't care, <laughs> right? Like he just wants to play and have an impact and it's, For guys that are smart and understand basketball, they go to a different level when they're around talented players. So I don't even think we've seen, like, the impact that he's going to have on this team and how good he can be. It's just going to grow because Kate's so good, right, because Jaden Ivey's so good, because Duren is so athletic and good. It's like when those guys are around talented players um smart players figure it out and they go to a different different level which i think puts them in a crazy position to be a top 5 pick and still be surrounded by talent right cuz normally when you're in that range it's like you're the keys and then you get bad habits and you know we've seen that with some of the players in the last couple of years um so i'm really excited for for not only them for but for all the players that got drafted early and just to see how they you know, fit into the NBA and kind of immediately try to impact winning.
0: No, I—that's I, something I've mentioned on the podcast a lot. That there's a lot of talent in the NBA. The parody in the league is is crazy at this point. There's like they're going to have an expansion soon because there's there is a lot of talent throughout the league. Um, I want to ask you this. And you, if you don't, if you don't want to go too far with it, you don't have to. But I, I have to. My listeners and everyone—they're going to bug me if I don't ask you. What? What? How do you feel about Asar's jump shot? I feel great about it. You like you like his jump shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got some things that like we've worked to tweak. Um, I mean, he shot like thirty percent in OTE last year from NBA three point line. Right, he's never gonna be a guy that like shoot forty percent from three. Right, and if he was, he'd be a hall of famer. Right, <laughs> like a, a give, like a right away, you'd be like, this guy's going to the hall of fame. You know, so like that's one thing where people are like, oh, can they shoot? Can they not? I actually think the NBA is, like, there's so many guys that can shoot now, and that's such a priority that, like, having guys on the floor that shooting isn't necessarily their strong suit doesn't hurt like it did five years ago, right? Because most of the guys around these players can shoot. Um, but to me, an underrated thing about Asar, and it's it's tough because the NBA and the, and the analytics, but, like, he's extremely, extremely good in the mid-range extremely good in the mid-range, like pull-up jumpers, mid-posts, etc., which is extremely valuable in the playoffs when things get a little bit tighter. And then as far as his three-point shot, like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be, like, I think he's going to be more than fine, because what I know right now, it's like, he's probably in the gym working on it. You know, so the only time like, bad shooters, it's like, they either don't shoot, right, which is I got pissed at him in a couple summer league games is probably just got to shoot it, just shoot it. Like who cares? It's summer league um, or they don't want to work on their shot, Right. And he's really neither of those. Like he's going to put in the time to work on his jumper. Um, I'm not saying he's going to shoot 40% from three this year. I don't know if he's going to shoot 35% from three this year, but I know that like, we'll look back in like three years and it's going to go from like, you know, 31 to 32 to 33 and all of a sudden it's like he's a 3 three-point shooter with all the other stuff he can do um and i think everyone would kind of sign up
0: for that at least i would so i I, i'm I'm sorry real quick i gotta look in the camera directly to my listeners everything that luke just said over the last like two minutes is like something i've said on the podcast like probably 30 times already the first thing you mentioned is that like shooting is so it's there's so much shooting in the league that it's not like as much of a luxury as it was like 10 years ago, which is something I've mentioned on the podcast a few times is that you can find shooting maybe along like 10, a decade ago, it would, it's more, um maybe a little bit more rare, I guess. Um, But like now everyone has to be a shooter. So to where like, you can find, if you just need shooting, you can find shooting. Now it's the more so the ancillary skills. You need some other skills along with it that, that are more, important and um and and guys who can do all those things that's that right there is what what separates teams um and I, that's something I've mentioned on the podcast so I had to point that out um and the other thing with the SAR um so I I've, I said this on the podcast before the draft that for me if you want to go because there was a lot of talk about as so a SAR the fifth pick, should, should the Pistons draft Jairus Walker should they draft Anthony Black should they draft um taylor hendrix sector said there's talk about it and to me what i said on the podcast was if you believe that Star thompson can become an average three-point shooter if you believe that shot it can come around then he should be your pick at five and i believe his, his shot can come around because it, towards the end of the ote season uh, i believe like the last five or six games he was shooting around like 38 from deep a lot of it was self-created looks to step back side steps coming in to pull up threes off pick and roll it wasn't just catch and shoot threes which are uh, not to the same level of degree of difficulty um so i i buy a sar shot i'm eventually coming around um, i just wanted to see where you were at with it how you felt about his form and stuff because that's like a, a, a big talking point in the community like is his form look good what's oh is his shoulder here where's his hand placement like all this stuff like fans are my are crazy analyzing his jump shot every time he gets a shot off um, so I just want to see where you felt with his form and, and, and where is he at right now? Um, me personally, I think he'll be, I think eventually he'll be around an average three point shooter. I don't know if it happens out the gate though, but I, I do agree with you yeah. that I didn't like how he was the first few games. It did look like that. He was kind of shying away from shooting the three. And then the last few, he did start to get some shots up. So I, I did like to see that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, he approached, like, and I told him this, like, he approached the first couple games of Summer League, like, he approached the first couple games actually at OTE this past season when he was playing with his brother for the first time, where, like, he didn't – he was just a little passive and, like, kind of just trying to feel, like, where he fit in. Um, and then, again, he figured it out, right? And he was the MVP of the OTE League again. Um, I, unfortunately, was on the other side of, of the play. I was the assistant coach with the team that he beat in the playoffs um, where he made three threes in every single game. And it's like, if he's going to do that, tip your hat to him and, and move on. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think like, he's going to figure it out. I don't, you know, a big thing too as a trainer is like shooting is important and it's a very important skill for him to, to continue to get better at. But it's also very important that that is not the only thing he thinks about, right? Um, that dude is an incredible basketball player, and there's hundreds of other things within basketball that he could also get better at. So when it came to training, it was like we spent a ton of time on shooting, but it was always I was always very careful not to to only focus on shooting, right? Because shooting is such a mental game anyway. You know, where it's like if you tell someone they can't shoot or you tell someone you have to work on their shot every single day, it's like eventually you're like, dude, I can't shoot. I got to work on my shot. Um, and so I think he's in, I think he's in a great headspace with it. Um, I'm very confident that he's going to be um, a very capable shooter. I think he kind of already is. Um, and to your point, he can do so many other things on the basketball court that he's going to be able to kind of work his way into being a comfortable three point shooter. I think the biggest thing is like, if it's a catch and shoot open three, you have to shoot it. and you live with those results. And I think Detroit's willing to kind of live with those results too. Um, and let everything else kind of fall into place. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, James Harden sidestep from game one, um, but I think that's
0: okay. So we'll wrap up the podcast with this. One of oh, the no, I got a question was... for you though. Okay, Who go did ahead. you
1: want at five? Because I, I know wanted on record.
0: I wanted to saw record. But,
1: but you wanted a in first.
0: No, yeah, I no, I had a men. So I'll tell you what my rankings were. My rankings at, at the time of the draft was um I had Wemby, Scoot, Amen. I'm kind of blinking on four. I, I I don't know if I had a SAR four or Jairus four. I'm pretty sure I had a SAR four and then Jairus five. And then Bram Miller six, Taylor Hendricks, and um so you thought Amen, Cade, and Jaden would have been a, would have been fine? I, I think Amen is so like like so crazy good you just you get him and you make it work. Like you don't you can't you don't you don't you can't, can't overthink it. him. like event like th- my thing with Amen was like if you get him and eventually like two years from now like it's not working, he's not the one you end up giving up. Like that's like yeah. that's how good he is. Like you when it, when you have to point the pistons off, you gotta just take the talent. So like I would take Amen quick like if he filled the five it would have been like like it would have been a thought it would have been easy very easy
1: all right i got
0: you why sorry not to cut you off no, what, no i don't have
1: like i just think they both went to a great fit um you know it's like i like people would ask me like, who's better and it's like i don't have an answer for him you know and that's not like trying to play both sides of the fence it's like i think they are different as much as they are the same i think they're different Right, I think a minute's athleticism is much more twitchy. Yes. Right, it's like, oh (laughs) shit, you know what I mean? Um, But then you see that with the star, like that put-back dunk, it was like off vert. Yes, like, (laughs) you know. And then his straight, Um, did
0: you see some of his, like, obviously you've seen it, but like in some of like, there was this play in the first game, I think he drove, turned the ball over, fell on the ground, he was the last person back and the team went on the transition, he was the first piston back. He just, straight line speed was like, like it was insane how quick he was.
1: Yeah, I think his athleticism is more hidden than a men's. I think a men's is, it's just the way a men moves, period. It's like twitchy and a yacht, yah ya. And a, a star is like a little bit smoother. Um, but when he wants to, t- like, he's so fast. I don't know if I can cut on here, but he's so no, I, fast. I'll, I'll um, believe it. I'll believe it. <laughs> he's so fast. And like some of the blocks, like the two hand blocks, his road, his like, weak
0: side of rim protection asar is going to be so crazy in the NBA. You saw some of it in summer league too. Like he he rotated on like a on a roll to the rim and sent somebody stuff back. I was like that was something I talked about before the draft too. Is that his weak asar's overall defense like on ball and then if you have him off ball rotating on like weak side of rim protection kind of like MPJ does for Denver like it's going to be like crazy. Like he's he's just a crazy defender. Yeah, he didn't do a lot
1: of that actually this past year in OTE. Um, but year one, I'll take credit because that was his coach in year one, or assistant coach. Um, but yeah, his – but that comes from, like, you have to understand basketball. Right. Right? And so his ability to see – we call it seeing frames um, and seeing frames two or three frames ahead of, like, oh, shit, I see where this play is going. Um, it's rare, right? And, like, a lot of that – normally gets thrown around like when it comes to offense you know you think of like a luca or a lebron and being able to dissect and see where everything's going but it's very much the same case on defense like they're the same frames that you see you're just on the other side of it um, which is why he's such a good on-ball defender but then to your point his ability to to kind of see where the play is going and almost like creep up and then out of nowhere be there um yeah they're both they're both freak a- athletes i would always like Amin is just much more twitchier, and Asar is smoother with a handle, with his athleticism. Um, so they're similar, but they're, but they're also
0: different. And this, this would be the last thing I say. Asar, there is like few plays defensively that he made in summer league that were just – it's just like – so I'll give you three examples, and they're all different versions of defense. So the first one was at the end of the game against the Raptors. He presses up on a guy dribbling up the court at the end of the game, up the right wing, presses up on him, forced him to pick up his dribble, And then he goes to pass it to the post, and he knocks the ball up in the air, beats the guy on the jump ball, then takes it all the way down, finishes with a lefty on the right side of the rim, falling from the basket. That's one on-ball defense and being active and active (laughs) hands. Second one is the one I just mentioned. Guy pick and roll from the left side, roller gets to the rim. A lot of guys can't rotate over him. If they do, they just can't make the play on it. Asar rotates over, meets him at the rim, sends it back. And then the third play is against Toronto as well. Grady Dick gives the ball away. Cuts to the rim. Asar stays with them. As Grady Dick is is cutting to the rim. The guy he gave the ball up to beats his guy off the dribble. Asar sees that off his peripheral, turns around, stops the drive. That guy kicks to the corner. Pistons out of the defender starts to X out close out. Asar then goes from where he stopped the drive, completes the X out close out, and then gets a defensive rebound and throws a pass down the floor. Like that's all. That's three different areas of defense that he just like on ball. Off, uh, off ball, rim, uh, weak side rim protection, and then executing X out closeouts, like after you done taking away a drive, like he was all over the place. Um, he's gonna be, I think he, his level of feel and understanding of the game is why I was so high on him, and both him and his brother. But that, that right there, I don't know how great he's going to be. We'll see how great he ends up being, but a guy who feels and understands the game like that and sees the game like that, it's just hard for me to like bet against guys like that. So that's why I was so high on them, but we'll
1: go ahead. Yeah, and not- I
0: mean, Oh, go
1: ahead. I'll just say this and get this off. I think the people that like, some people had them like 12, and 13 and like, there are some of these mock drafts. And it's like, you guys are just idiots. <laughs> like you're just idiots, bro. Including some of the people that you've had on this, on this podcast. Um, if I'm being quite frank and oh, they're no. anti, okay, okay. they anti OTE takes. Um, which, like I said, I'm not even with OT anymore. But I think it's, like, just look at drafts in the last four years and look at the top ten picks that, like, are no longer either, like, playing or even in the league. And it's, like, that's, like, these dudes are going to play 15 years. Like, Asar's going to play in the NBA for 15 years if he wants to. Like, his floor is so high because he's so smart and he's so athletic and he understands the game of basketball. Um, that I think like some of these people in their draft prep, it's just like, I don't know if they want to be different. I don't know if it's like, I don't even know what it is. And I waited for the 48 minute mark to get this off. Um, but I kind of just feel like they're idiots. Like, I don't like, you clearly just don't really watch basketball, like, or you just love the people you love. You have other agendas or like you hated OTE for whatever the reason was, um, but to me you lose all credibility when you say like this is the you know, OT is the worst thing that could ever happen to a player and like the twins won't translate, like, look who they're playing, and then it's like you watch I mean how many games you started playing? Four summer league games, right? Like terrible summer league games, and like all the plays you're mentioning have nothing to do with like offensive plays. They're all, That's feel exactly what all I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you can sit here and be like, and that's true to like, like Don Barlow and Jalen Martin and the men and the star and Ethan Almonte next year. It's like, these guys know how to play basketball. So the narrative that they were coming from like playing, you know, whatever people saw OTE as, which to be fair, some of it was fair. And like, if you're watching a game, it's a light show and it's, you know, it's a lot going on from the, the social component, um, which also pays the bills for those guys over there. But like, then you can't turn around and be like, "Oh man, a and Asaris have great feel, and look how they're guarding. Look at their X out closeouts, and look how you know, look at their vision and how they saw two people on the floor. And they waited it out. Like it can't be both sides of that, right? So which one is it? Did they get developed, or are you telling me at sixteen they just when they or seventeen when they arrived on OT's campus they were just like ready for the NBA at that point? You know, so like something's going on over there that's working." And great, you're not gonna bet or bat a thousand on on players. Right. But if something doesn't work out at Kentucky, people aren't looking at Coach Cal. He's got to know what he's doing over there. Right. They're like, oh, the kid couldn't make it, now he's transferring. You know, so I just think there's a little bit of credit, not to me, but just the overall like infrastructure that they built over there the last couple of years to where these guys like they knew how to play basketball. And, and for the last two years, they were the best players at OTE. And it would have been very easy for them to come up and just jack up 30 shots a game, not give a shit, like do their own thing, whatever. And it went the complete opposite. You know, and now they're willing to step on NBA court from day one and like be part of a team and run offices and, and do the small things to dive on the floor and get up, like you said, and sprint back and guard. And it's like... I don't know. It's like a little bit of like, I don't know if I'm looking for OTE credit here, but like just the narrative around them, I felt like was so freaking lazy. And I felt bad for them to have to answer to it sometimes. And luckily the guys at the top figured it out, right? Because turns out like the people on Twitter are not NBA GMs, which is why they're on Twitter. Um, but I'm just glad that it's worked out. It's like, Wherever it goes for them, you can at least see that they've like they're great people. They care about basketball the right way. They're gonna conduct themselves the right way, and they're gonna like actually do what is best for the team. Um, Asar cared about winning summer league games. Like that wasn't like an interview where he's like, Oh, let me give you a good soundbite. Like those dudes care about winning. And I think that's something that like was installed at OTE that is transferred on um, in the competitive environments those guys were put in every single day. Um, So I'm sorry for my rant here at the the 50-minute mark. they're going to love it. They're going to love it. But it's just like I just can't get behind the guys that were like, oh, it's not going to translate, a competition. It's like just lead with like you don't know basketball and then go from there. Or lead with like you wanted retweets and you wanted likes and you wanted all this stuff, but you clearly like – didn't do your homework. And I'm not saying they're going to be hall of Famers. I'm just saying that they
0: know how to play basketball the right way. Fair sure enough. Everyone's going to love that. That's going to be you're going everyone. Going to, you know, well, the listeners, you're going to go viral in the of community here. <laughs> this this little rant's going to go, they're going to record this and it's going to be posted all over bits community. So I hope you're ready for that, but I appreciate you coming on. We did have a longer podcast, but I thought it was great stuff. Um, bosses, please forgive me with this one. It was good content, so I think it was worth it. Um, Thank you, Luke, for coming on, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to the season. Um, In the future, if you want to come back on, we can have you on, man. I'd love to have you. Um, You guys can follow Luke over on Twitter, at Luke Cooper Hoops. Until next one, I'll see you guys later. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Until the next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Peace out.